Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. And thereof came it that the man was mad. The venom clamours of a jealous woman poison more deadly than a mad dog's tooth. It seems his sleeps were hindered by thy railing, and thereof comes it that his head is light. Thou sayest his meat was sourced with thy upbraidings. Unquiet meals make ill digestions. Thereof the raging fire of fever bred, and what's a fever but a fit of madness? Welcome to Cop on Podcast, you sweet and pithy kumquat. My name's Owen, and those opening lines were from The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare, The Swan of Avon. We all make errors, don't we? And for me, I forgot to put in one of our last episodes a really lovely excerpt from Richard de la Riviere's superb book, Liverpool FC, The Premier League Years, so as a special bonus to kick us off. Here it is. Liverpool FC, the Premier League years, by Richard de la Riviere. 1992-93, least said, soonest mended. If the 91-92 campaign had been largely miserable, Liverpool's fortunes were about to plummet further, because the inaugural Premier League season was utterly abject. It was a season of three below-par goalkeepers and atrocious defending. A season when a Liverpool striker entered footballing folklore, guilty of one of the worst misses of all time. A season of nightmares against Chesterfield, Spartak Moscow, Coventry and Bolton. Another season blighted by injuries and another season of Graeme Souness in the manager's chair. In choosing a moment to sum up Liverpool's 92-93 season, I can do little worse than quote a story from Ronnie Whelan's autobiography, which detailed a post-match dressing room scene after a heavy defeat at Blackburn, who just happened to be managed by Kenny Dalgleish. Suey went ballistic, Whelan recalled. He started ranting about the older players. He didn't name us, but was referring to me, Nickel, Barnes and Rush. He'd raised it as an issue several times in the month before. I was fuming inside because, number one, there was no acknowledgement from him that he might be at fault too. And number two, it wasn't true. I said to Suey, look, it's not as simple as that. You try talking to them and they just tell you to fuck off. That only made him worse. Who? Who tells you that? I just shrugged my shoulders. Tell me who they are and I'll back you up. And I said, just like you're backing me up now. He flipped after that and started screaming, you tell me, and I wouldn't reply. It just descended into a shouting match. I snapped back at him, just fuck off and leave me alone. Liverpool made two signings as they geared up for the new Premier League era. They paid Watford a million pounds for David James, who was pitched in at the deep end when Bruce Grobelaar put country before club. He was far from ready to be Liverpool's first choice keeper. Paul Stewart, who signed for 2.3 million from Spurs, was battling personal demons which eventually came to light in 2016. He had been sexually abused by a football coach for four years from the age of 11. He spent much of his Anfield career at the mercy of alcohol, cocaine and ecstasy and was a shadow of the player who had been man of the match in the 1991 FA Cup final. The performances of these two were to be a microcosm of the season ahead. Fault lines ran through the heart of the club. The 39-year-old Souness was despised by many for selling the story of his heart operation to the reviled Sun newspaper on the third anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster. The paper had been boycotted on Merseyside ever since the monstrous lies they told about the 1989 tragedy, and although far less serious, 
his public congratulating of John Major and the Conservative Party upon winning the 1992 general election in April went down badly in Britain's most socialist city. Thank you so very much to Richard for recording that, especially for Copon. Search for his book, Liverpool FC, The Premier League Years, by Richard de la Riviere, to get your copy. This is Copon. You can follow us on Twitter, at Copon Podcast. You can be a guest on the show by sending us an email to coponpodcast.gmail.com. You can keep being your fluffy and gorgeous infinite selves by listening and spreading the word about Copon to your friends, foes and dentists. And so, without much further ado about anything really, here is the rest of the episode. Enjoy. <coughs> 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 ah, blimey. Um, um, I'm I'm really happy. I'm really happy. Um, I need some therapy, and I'm here with Brian in Hong Kong, and Ryan in Toxteth, Liverpool, birthplace of the great Curtis Jones and the marvellous Robbie Fowler. Um, Ryan, it's your first time on Cop on Podcast. Welcome. And, you know, what a crazy context for your first match to talk about. You had to talk about that one. How are you, how are you today, Ryan? To be honest, I actually feel a little bit more upbeat than a lot of the reaction that I'm reading and seeing from, from friends and, and certainly in social media. Uh, a lot of people seem to have taken this as an opportunity to almost, I told you so about certain Liverpool players, and I find that really A, mad, and B, maddening. Like, I get that Joe Gomez hasn't played well yesterday, but very few of the team did. And, and I still feel that at 23, you know, there's a lot of potential there, and he, he's put in so many good performances. So I feel... Some of the criticism is unfair, but a lot of it is absolutely fair because we were let's not let's not sugarcoat this absolutely awful yesterday. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and I chuckle because um, there was a, there was a brilliant um, uh, match review by Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap that arrived in my inbox, and it was absolutely superb. Um, basically, I took this question from it directly, Ryan. I'm going to stay with you. Um, when Jack Grealish scored Villa's sixth goal, which was the deflection, the unluckiest deflection of the night, off Fabinho, did you laugh or did you cry or were you seething or did a numbness sweep over your body as though you had swallowed some kind of anaesthetic? Oh, I've been numb since McGinn's third. <laughs> Villa's third, McGinn's first, as soon as that one went in, you, you felt that, that the rubber, the green really wasn't on our side. And I just felt as bad as we were and as good as Villa had been, they'd had some massive luck in that game. And by the time the sixth one went in, I just, I almost stopped caring, which was so uncharacteristic. Yeah, it's, it, it, I stopped watching. I stopped watching. It's the first game. I, like, it was still on. I, but I couldn't look at my screen. 
I could no longer look at my screen, and it's never happened before. Stoke City 6, Liverpool 1. I hung on, clung on to watching that game just because it was Steven Gerrard's last match and there was a sort of grim First World War Wilfred Owen, dulcet decorum-est poetry about getting absolutely hammered by Stoke City. The only thing it wasn't was raining and on a Tuesday night. But there was some kind of poetic melancholic beauty in that somehow that kept me watching it but I couldn't watch yesterday Brian how were you uh, that sixth goal what was your reaction um yeah I would I was numb I was I was staring blankly at the screen and like you for the first time ever uh, I just I just stopped I couldn't do it anymore I just I just I mean, I went from anger to apathy to to screw this. This is a, just a train wreck. It's not our day. It's horrible. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong, and it could even get worse. <laughs> it was just, it was just so bad. It really was. So I, I think I, I, I was beyond caring at that stage because I think we'd made so many mistakes and 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 did so so many of the simple things wrong that I'd long given up on this game. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, I was just staring there, not saying a thing, I think, at the time. And, and what about today, Brian? I mean, I, you know, have you, can you see the funny side or is, is, your, is your blood still, still bubbling with hate? <laughs> yeah, look, I can see the funny side and, and I can see, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get too bombastic whilst I am definitely going to get stuck into a few players. Uh, I, I can see why it's happened uh, and I can put it in perspective. Um, and, you know, I think when we had the season preview uh, earlier on, I, I remember saying that I, I, I'm expecting some results like this this year. I don't think it's going to be uh a 95 99 point season um like we've had in, in the previous uh, seasons i think there, there are going to be days when things are just not lining up for us uh the, you know this with this virus as well you know when players missing out uh, this whole weirdness of playing in you know with no fans um you know, over the course of a full season, I think that will show itself more. Um, so, you know, I think in a weird kind of way, it's it's probably best to get this. This is the game that that nobody expected was to drop points in, and we were doing the 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 first four games preview before the international break. Nobody picked out Aston Villa as the potential banana skin. Um, but you know it is what it is, right? So uh, yeah, look, it 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 was funny. I think it, the 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 lads, particularly the manager, handled it perfectly, right? What what can you say to a result like that? I mean, the only thing I would say is that in in normal circumstances, a a, a result like that has 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 cost managers their job. <laughs> 
in the past. I'm not suggesting for a second that and that's the case here, but that's a, it, we should not underplay how bad a result that is, I think, in my, in my opinion. No, yeah, it's it's a very fair answer, I think. And yes, you will have a chance to, to vent at some of the players. Exactly. I, I don't know. Could we get a talk about as well? The role of criticism, you know, how 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 much, how far shall we go into it? I mean, Ryan, you've already alluded to social media. I haven't even looked at it today. No intention of seeing how much bile people can spit in, uh, you know, 140 characters or less. So, uh, or 280 now, whatever it is. Um, so, yes, um, but the main causes of defeat, I've been thinking about it all day, is it a... Is it a combination of things? It probably is. But um, I had a very interesting um, question come through on Twitter from at J.D. Salinger, who I believe is the same J.D. Salinger um, who wrote the best-selling book, uh, oddly, in 1963, the last time we conceded seven goals, which is when we lost 7-2 to Tottenham Hotspur on the 15th of April, which was a Monday night. Uh, and apparently our defence played well. Ron Yates, Ronnie Moran and Stevenson played extremely well, according to the match report and the echo. We were desperately unlucky. Not like last night. But anyway, J.D. Salinger got in touch. I presume it's the real one. Um, and he's residing in the Philippines because I tried to look at his real name and it still said J.D. Salinger. Um, he said, wow, which is a great word to start with. Wow, we got battered by Villa, but somehow it felt like our players were distracted. And I couldn't help but wonder if it has something to do with at least three teammates testing positive for COVID in the last two or three weeks. That should be deeply worrying, not to mention the uncertainty if they will also catch it and it's a really interesting idea because i hadn't thought of that is that something that you would buy into as as some kind of factor um for you know as as a cause of this defeat ryan i don't buy it not not me um i i feel like that sounds really cold and i'll say it out loud but i just think these lads are so singularly focused in every other game I've seen them play in. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I can't imagine this sort of thought creeps into their heads. Um, I think more of an issue would be that Allison is likely to be on the shelf for a, a meaningful period of time uh, and the change that makes to our setup, both in and out of possession. I think they're more pragmatic than that. Well, yes, okay, yes, you're absolutely right in terms of the... Uh, yes, exactly, we, we, we've really uh, kicked ass apart from yesterday. Um, would you say um, it's something to do with the, the... I don't know, some other... I'm interested in the mental side of things. You know, overconfidence, Ryan. What 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 about mentally? What What's going on? What I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it? But what do you think? I have a theory on this. So when we lost last season to Watford, I felt that there was this sense, particularly at 2-0 down, where we just thought, okay, you've scored twice. So it's going to be one of those games where you have a go and we have a go. You score, we score. And we tried to just out-attack our opponents uh, and, and ended up losing the game more emphatically because of it. I think that was really true in this game as well. Uh, we, we go 2-0 down and it's like, okay, well, we'll just go all out-attack then for the rest of the game and we'll blow you away. And instead of that happening, and it does start to happen, we get the first one back and you think, yeah, Liverpool are going to come back and win this, no problem. 
and then John McGinn's goal happened. And this is what made me feel so numb because I could see it the second it went in. And I'm not usually one for, for throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But in this case, I saw it that we were already going to be all out attack for the rest of the game. We were so open at the back. They just scored this horrendously lucky, deflected goal that wasn't particularly earned. And I know, you know, when when the scoreline shows seven two, yes, the card is open many times. But at that point in the game, with I felt things were so finely balanced. We ended up going back to two goals behind, and from there we kept staying all out attack. We stayed all out attack, left all those gaps in behind ourselves. Not enough protection for the back four, who then couldn't provide enough protection for the keeper, who in turn was having his own problems. And it just created this perfect storm of defensive ineptitude. And ultimately, that's what cost us. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, just to remind you, I mean, just to, sorry, to trigger, you know, some horrible uh, trauma from yesterday. But uh, the, the order of scoring, um, Ollie Watkins in the third minute. Ollie Watkins in the 21st minute. And then Mohamed Salah pulled one back in the 32nd minute. And that John McGinn deflected goal was in the 34th minute. So, yeah, that was an absolute punch in the punch in the ghoulies, as no one really says uh, apart from me. But it was a kick in the ghoulies. It was a punch in the ghoulies. It was an elbow to the nether regions, wasn't it, Brian? Uh, because, you know, you think that... You know, at 2-1, maybe there's, you know, there's a flicker of hope here. It's like, come on, we've got this now. We're coming back. This is Liverpool. Um, you know, but in the same way as you kick off and then two minutes later, your goalkeeper does absolutely crazy, a craziness. Uh, and then two minutes after you make it 2-1, it's 3-1. But I don't know how unlucky this is. Klopp mentioned this in the post-match press conference. I think, Brian that you can pin some blame because let me I think this is the one that comes off Van Dyke. there were so many deflected goals but you know in the deflected goals they weren't strong enough as tackles and that's something that really pisses me off is if you're a professional for example when when professional defenders turn their back or turn their side when someone's taking a shot whereas if you go towards the ball and towards the person shooting you can get a block away what do you think, Brian? Yeah, listen, I just thought the whole thing was an absolute shit show. A complete shit show from start <laughs> to finish. Everybody should hang their heads in shame, including my beloved Klopp and his and his management team. We made so many ridiculous decisions. I mean, I think I, I, I mentioned in our chat earlier on, our brand of football is all about intensity. It is all intensity. It's it's and through our intensity, we grab control of games and we just strangle the life out of teams. Teams doesn't matter who they are; they do not get the ball, and when they get the ball, we take it straight back at them, and it just zaps the the life out of them. You know, they just think, well, when are we going to see the ball again? Maybe in ten minutes, maybe in fifty minutes, and we just nonchalantly knock the ball around, move it around, and then when we do lose it, we hunt immediately in packs intensely and anytime we haven't had that intensity there um especially in you know pre-season games we're a different team and and we just suddenly our strengths become our weaknesses like our high line is a strength it's 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 what crushes uh other teams it what squeezes them into an inch of their lives and allows us to press from the front but if we're not pressing particularly if we're not pressing from the middle of the pitch 
or, or anywhere from that matter, then those balls over the top, it's they're on all the time, you know? And uh, I mean, I was thinking, I mean, I'm no football genius, right? But we're playing on a rugby pitch in the rain and we've got our backup keeper um, and a midfield three that, okay, they've had some good, 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 good outings, but you know, it's, it's not like you couldn't hang your hat on that, those midfield three. And I just thought we needed to drop the line back for this one game, uh, 10 yards, <laughs> because we could we, we couldn't we couldn't pass the ball on that surface. That surface was absolutely horrendous. Every inch of that pitch was wrecked, <laughs> and you know it, it was just too manana manana from too many players, and it was spreading. Like the only two players that really stood out in terms of intensity were Robbo and uh, Millie. Right. And Robbo, like, I think Robbo's had one bad game his entire Liverpool career. You know, Robbo was was at it. He was trying to make things happen. He had that kind of, you know, his usual grit. And Millie, when he came on, even though I think the game was almost a lost cause at that stage, he was still trying to G people up and stuff. And then just just too many people just gone missing. You know, not not the front. I don't blame the attackers because, you know, they can only work with what they what they were given, but Jesus Christ, the, the midfield were just appalling in my in my eyes. There was nothing happening there. And as soon as I realized that this intensity wasn't coming, I was thinking, that's it, we're screwed. And I, I just think that the stage that we played on yesterday, Villa, late kickoff, in the rain, you know, just, and we've already had some bad luck. We have terrible referees, you know, every decision going our way i just think we we just it didn't that playing our usual brand of football was not the right decision in in that situation i thought because it was obvious to me early doors that this was going to be a complete shit show it's interesting it's interesting stuff i mean you mentioned you wouldn't blame the forwards at all um i think mohammed salah uh could come out of this game with a lot of credit i think diogo jota as well, he, things didn't come off for him, but he had uh, four shots, he had three on target, he had one key pass, 82.9% passing accuracy. I mean, I think he deserved, you know, a fair amount of credit as someone who, you know, even defensively, he was trying to track back and, you know, um, stop as best he could the, you know, the Villa attacking from 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 down there, right? Um, and, yeah, it, it, I don't know, it was... It wasn't bad from Jota. I, I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw from Mohamed Salah. And I liked, you mentioned Robbo. I mean, he gave everything. Um, you know, those three players were all right. Mohamed Salah, 90% passing accuracy, which is amazing for a forward. He had two shots and, and scored two goals. And he also made three key passes. I thought he was terrific, Mohamed Salah. Uh, Roberto Firmino, however... They targeted him, and I want to talk about him, Ryan, Roberto Firmino, because if you look at the passing accuracy throughout the entire team, I know Villa in, in, in certain respects were just letting us keep the ball, but 
uh, without reading the names it takes too long. The passing accuracy going through the team is 82, 90, 89, 87, 89, 90, 84, 90, 82. And then you get to Bobby Firmino, who's down at 67.9% passing accuracy, which is about 10% less than he usually does. And it's about 15% from when he's really on form. They seem to be targeting him because when he lost the ball is when Villa broke and they broke so effectively. And uh, yeah, so Roberto Firmino, what do you reckon, Ryan? I am gutted that you've asked me this because I love Bobby. He's a great player. I didn't really want to put the boots in on him, but he's been, he's not only poor last night, but he's been poor for a while. Uh, I think there are questions that need to be asked about whether he retains his place in the squad, for, well, in the side, certainly. For the derby, I think you can make a reasonable argument for bringing someone like Origi, who loves the derby day, if he starts the club, or Minamino <clears throat> to come in ahead of Bobby for this game. Um, I'm not sure what the issue is, but it's not just in his passing. There, there seems to be a marked drop-off in intensity from him at the minute, and it just it just makes me sad to watch him. Like I compare him to the season we won the Champions League, and the season before that, and, and also last season, don't get me wrong, he had some troubles last season, particularly um, fielding from the goal. But he's such a joyful player to watch when he's on form. But when he's not on form, and he was very much off form last night, it, it's really hard work for him. And he does a lot of really good things defensively, but I didn't even see that from him last night. I think that in some ways is almost as worrying, if not more worrying, than, than his lack of end product at the minute. Well, there were those couple of moments where he just took some bad touches with his chest, two bad uh, touches with his chest that were in the box, and he could have if it had a better touch, and he could have got a shot away. There was that also the, the the pass that came to him after their goalkeeper Martinez, who had a fantastic game, uh, made his one mistake of the night, and we didn't punish it. Bobby could have maybe shot, but he chose not to. One goal in nineteen games, um, but Ryan, you say he's he's losing form a bit I mean the last time I remember him playing well was uh, not so long ago against Leeds United just a couple of weeks ago he had 85% passing accuracy so I don't know to go to go down at almost 20% in your passing accuracy um, I don't know well well done to 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 uh, to Villa for targeting him or maybe it was it was just an off day Brian what do you think is I mean you know maybe there, there have been signs of fatigue um, yeah, look, I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, he, he, his touch was, was pretty bad last, last night, unusually for him. And, um, yeah, he didn't seem quite on it, but, um, I mean, look, he, he can have a, he can have a stinker every now and again. He's earned that for me. <laughs> I think it's, look, I don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say he had a stinker, but, I just felt like that. I I don't know. This is just my opinion. I don't know if it's an accurate one or not. But I just felt like that the stage, that game, it just did not suit our our game, our our whole game, our whole strategy. That the everything about it was just. Uh, we it just feel like the players couldn't even press. There was no, you know, Bobby can't press unless the whole team is pressing with him. Uh, as a, as a unit, otherwise it just doesn't work, and none of them were pressing. There was no real kind of closing down. Um, I agree with you on Jota and and Salah. I thought they were they were pretty excellent. 
Um, and Bobby, to, be, to give him credit, he had that great um, through ball, uh, beautiful pass for the second goal, I think it was. Um, but yeah, no, I just, look, I just think I'm taking this game in isolation. Um, I, I think, you know, we've shown signs of a drop off here and there, but actually since the, since the return from the lockdown, our results are not as bad as people would suggest. And, um, yeah, we're, we're going to have, we're going to have bad days and this is one of them for sure. Uh, Yeah. You see, ah. I don't know. See, I don't know because I've been looking into it today. I had uh, I had a few hours free today. So what else was I going to do apart from, you know, delve deeply, a little more deeply into Liverpool's results for a while. And I went back to our results, um, starting with all of our results, starting with the loss, the first loss away to Atletico. In February, we played 25 matches in all competitions, including friendlies, since then. Um, And from those 25 matches, we've actually lost nine times. I had to sort of take a double treble take. And it's true, we've lost nine times. Um, And I don't want to throw players under a bus and I don't I'm just putting this out here as a question because I don't know. I've been watching Gomez like a hawk, right? Um since we lost that first match to Atletico, um we've lost nine in twenty five matches. Sorry, just reading my notes. Okay. Seven of those nine losses had Gomez and VVD as partnership. One of those matches had Lovren and VVD as a partnership, which is that loss against Watford. I'd forgotten that Dayan Lovren, that was his final swan song. Um legend. Uh and the the last one of those was uh, Reese Williams, the ninth loss uh was even though we drew nil nil, we only lost on penalties, okay? So sorry, yeah. Seven outright losses, two losses on penalties, nine. After the lockdown, I've been watching Joe Gomez like a hawk. I was invited to a to a TV studio here in France to watch Manchester City versus Liverpool um, at Canal Plus Studios. It was really cool, uh, and I was in the editing room watching that. And I had it was amazing because I had like I was just sat in the back drinking my like flask of tea. And there were um, five different monitors, uh, all with different camera angles, you know, that they use for the TV and they could pick which ones for the TV. But I was sort of trying to watch them all. There was, I was, ended up watching G- Jeannie Vianeldon for about five minutes, but we lost that match 4-0. And I was gutted because before the match, I was just saying to, to the guy who invited me how brilliant Joe Gomez was. And since then, I've been like, hmm, is he that good? I don't know. After lockdown, we kept three clean sheets in four matches. Uh, Gomez and VVD were at the the partnership in two of those three clean sheets in four matches. And Matip was the partner for Van Dijk in the other clean sheet. So that was three clean sheets in four matches after lockdown. But since that time, we've only kept three clean sheets in 15 matches, which have all been with Gomez and VVD apart from three clean sheets where we had Gomez versus Stuttgart and pre-season friendly who had started the match but he was a sub subbed off Fabinho against Chelsea who was absolutely terrific 
for that clean sheet and Reese Williams versus Arsenal. So when Gomez has played with VVD as a partnership, basically, if you discount Stuttgart, they haven't kept a clean sheet in ages. We haven't kept a clean sheet in ages. Um, is it something we need to keep an eye on, Ryan? It definitely is. I think there's a there's an element there that you're not quite uh, you, you haven't quite got, and that's Henderson. Because for I'm pretty sure, and certainly at least ninety percent of those fixtures, Henderson hasn't played. Um, and there there are certain jobs that he does defensively that make us much more solid. So whilst I like Naby Keita a lot, he isn't the kind he isn't particularly great going backwards. And Henderson absolutely is not just at doing the actual defending himself, but then screaming at other people on where they need to be to do their defending. And he does a lot of protecting Trent when Trent gets forward. And when, <clears throat> excuse me, when Henderson isn't in the side, a lot of that filling in for Trent has to be then be covered by Gomez or Fabinho, which leaves other gaps elsewhere. And that's what makes us so much less uh, defensively compact. Um, there, there are lingering questions still about Gomez now. I think the other issue for me, he hasn't seen right since he got one over on Raheem Sterling on international duty. Like I, I feel like that went to his head, and he almost now has this Dejan Lovren complex where he has to show how the man he is. And I like Gomez. I think he's really classy. Or certainly has the the ability to be a very classy defender, but he needs to add a little bit more humility to his game. I think after last night showing the whole team do, um, and just realise that you can't blast teams out of the water whenever you feel like it because you're that much better. Even if you are that much better, it, it requires a lot more grit than we showed yesterday. Yeah, it's a really good answer. A really interesting point there about Henderson. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I hadn't considered that. And if you look on whoscored.com, they've got the uh, the attacking areas that Villa used and 50% of their attacking areas was down the left, uh, their left, our right. So basically the space left by Trent. Um, so you're absolutely right to bring back the, bring the fact that Hendo has been absent to, to you know, from his amazing covering duties. Um, yeah, I don't know. The defence, Brian, I mean, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. I think Fabinho should be our second choice. And if if Thiago's back for the Everton game, um, put, play Thiago in the six and Hendo in the six, and, or, or, you know, one of them, and uh, Fabinho in central defence. Would you? I don't know. I would do that. What do you think, Brian? Have we got to worry about that kind of thing? Um... Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think uh, right. So with the games and and the record and and games lost, etc. Uh, look, I mean, you got to remember. Um, you know, started off with that game, that European game, that in my opinion should never have been played in the first place. And okay, you know, we went out eventually. To, you know, in, in the European Cup, okay, that happens. We don't, we haven't got a, a God-given right to win that competition. So, you know, we had to do, we don't. And then, you know, after the after the, the lockdown came back, you know, when we sewn up the league, I mean, it felt like this team had been chasing the, the, the title for two seasons, not one season. We didn't stop. You know, we just they the the standards were so high. I think they'd lost nine games in in the league in three seasons, home and away, 
or, or, or something like that. So the intensity that these players were, were under uh, must have been just ridiculous. And, and this, it's bound to happen. You know, every single team in the history of football have, have, have dropped off. Uh, um, well, not every single team, most teams have dropped off when they've won the league or won, won the title with, with time to spare. And then, you know, some of those other games were like, you know, cup games or whatever. So I just don't, I don't think we're as bad as as some people are making out to be or, or, or maybe the perception could be. Um, with Joe, um, I mean, I think... Ryan nailed it there. I mean, I think uh, people underestimate just how much Hendo brings to the team on so many levels. Um, and, you know, he's such an integral part of our attack and it allows players like Trent to have so much more freedom. And just when you have somebody on the pitch that you know is going to be covering so much ground and setting the tempo and setting the aggression levels all that side of the pitch it just lifts people up and then if you replace that with nabby who is i mean he's for me he's a luxury player you know when he's on it's brilliant you know he does some amazing things but they're like apples and oranges in terms of of uh, uh, of players, so I mean, right, to go back to your original question about the defender, I mean, I, you know, look, I think Fabinho has got central defender written all over him. Um, I, I question. Uh, well, I mean, he was at. I think he was at fault for a couple of the goals uh, last night as well, maybe because he wasn't holding the line correctly or or whatnot. But uh, I just wonder if he's ready to play that role week in, week out. Uh, just yet. I mean, I would love to see him there eventually. Um, I'm not sure if Everton is the game to put him in there because I've been watching Everton play this season and they have been really impressive. Um, and, you know, he, I, he will be put under a lot of scrutiny under that game. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping, ideally, I'm hoping Joel's back. I mean, what, what's the latest on him? Yeah, I don't know, but that would be uh, that would be good. That would be good to have Joel Matip back. I think he's a he's a fabulous defender as well. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get on to Everton um, in a, in a little in a little while because I just want to you know just have a final little chat about 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 the game before we do move on um, because I think that's what we have to just put this behind us. Um, what lessons do you think, what are the main lessons do you think we can learn from this, Ryan, this defeat? So I think there are a few lessons we can learn from this. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think we have more to be positive about than we have to be negative about. Uh, but the lessons that we can take from this, uh, Brian mentioned this briefly earlier and he's absolutely spot on. I think particularly when Adrian's in goal, we need to drop the defensive line back 10, maybe even 15 yards just to give ourselves that little bit more protection there. And, and obviously that means that we have to drop the midfield back a little bit to cover that. It means that we lose some of our pressing ability in forward areas. It means we lose some of our possession because uh, we're a very possession-based side nowadays. But at the same time, it just enables, to be a little bit, enables us to be a little bit more solid when we're without the ball. Because if Carragher mentioned this briefly, uh, sorry, repeatedly, throughout the game and it really got under my skin but we did look like conceding every time Villa had the ball and we need to change that we need to be a bit more solid so dropping the line back 
that helps. That's that's a part of it. Um, bringing in someone a little bit more combative than than Nabi Keita. No offense, Nabi, love you dearly, but I think we need to bring in someone who's going to run and and hustle and push people over when they need pushing over. So I'll bring Milner back in for the derby. I know he's he's got old legs, but he, he's fit as a fiddle. He can run all day if he needs to. I'll bring him back in just to yell at people and to wear the armbands as well, because I prefer Milner as vice-captain to, to Van Dijk. Um, and, yeah, I think I would, if if I had my way, put Fabinho in a centre-back, because even for the derby, I know they've got a lot of really good players, Everton at the minute, but I think he, he's got a physicality to him that I don't think Gomez has. I know they're not dissimilar in size, um, but I think Fabinho is a little bit better at some of the dark art stuff. So I put Fabinho in the back line. I put Milner in midfield, along with Van Alden, and maybe if hopefully he's going to be fit. But I've got Thiago in there as well. Um, um, what about Henderson though? Because Henderson will be back. If Henderson's back, I'm playing Henderson. Uh, sorry, Millie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. Okay. So there you go. And then your front three, presumably. Then will Manny be back? I'm not sure. Um, Mane, presumably, Mane, Firmino and, and Salah. I mean, it's not often we actually get to ask that question, but just checking, Ryan, would that be your, your front three? Such a hard question to answer. I know I said before that I'd consider taking Firmino out. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision, is all I can say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, OK, OK. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, let's, let's get on to that. Yeah, the Everton. So... At the back, I would agree. In midfield, my midfield would be um, Thiago, Henderson, and Milner. And I would drop Vinaldum, not because I don't like him, I think he's very good, but I think Milner and Henderson, uh, for the Everton game, they know what it means. They've got the experience, they can both nullify. Uh, along with Thiago, they can nullify the threat of James Rodriguez. Um, I don't know if Alan's going to be fit, but he's a great player. But uh, I, I imagine we, we'll, we'll have enough guile with Bobby Firmino because I'm going to definitely play Bobby. I'm going to give him a chance. He's going to rest up for a couple of weeks, sit on the hammock, sit in the hammock that he's surely got in his living room, the sort of gold bedazzled hammock, and roll him out for the derby and he's going to silence the critics. Only one goal in 19 games, but I believe in the guy, Mohamed Salah and uh, Sadio Mane if he's back and if not Diogo Jota. That's my team for the derby. Um, what's your team for the derby, Brian? Yeah, well, I, I was just frantically searching COVID uh, periods and, and how long it takes to get over it as you're talking. <laughs> and uh, it seems... It seems ten to fourteen days. If it's if if you've got a mild dose of it, you know, you get over it and you become you don't you know you're not you know no longer contagious as well. So I think it's highly likely that we could have Manny and Tiago back. Um, but depending if they've just had a, like a mild a very mild dose of it, then depending on what their fitness is like, um, that's a consideration. But uh, I agree with uh, what Ryan was saying about Millie. I, you know, I, I, this is a game for him. I think um, if um, 
if uh, Tiago is non-available, then um, I would go with uh, Millie, Hendo, and Genie. That that uh, that 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 famous threesome <laughs> that uh, people either love or hate uh, in the middle of the pitch. And uh, again, Mane, obviously, if he's very, he's good to go. Uh, otherwise, Jota, I wouldn't bench Bobby. I think, you know, he's he had an off day uh, he, he, on, a, on a good pitch. He, he, he can show what he, what, he, what he can do. And then um, centre-back, man, it's difficult. I think it's a hard decision because you know it uh, it sends a signal. Actually, I don't know what you. I mean, if you if you bench Gomez, that could actually end up being a, doing more damage in the long run to his confidence. Um, I'm I'm with Ryan. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm I'm happy to see either one. I mean, I don't think Gomez is as. I mean, I don't shudder when I see him on the team sheet. It's not like when. You know the last couple of seasons of Dexy's uh, career, with as as much as I love the guy, I did really dread it when I saw him on the, on the team sheet. I was thinking, oh, here comes mistakes are incoming. Um, I don't get that feeling from Joe, even though the results haven't been great um, somehow. Um, I, I, look, I think there will be a huge um, um, debrief after this game everybody will be taking a very close look at themselves uh, all included I, I i really do think that you know if if we're gonna play with this keeper um going forward then they're gonna have to make some adjustments to to, to the style of play and to the strategy because he's just not Alison becker and if you expose him to one-on-one too often uh he's gonna make mistakes he, he's got mistakes in him so um I mean, I I thought, oh, thank God, it's the international break, you know, so we can we can rest up some players and uh, we can um, we can uh, fix this. But then, you know, we can't fix it because the players are all off now, most of them anyway. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Adrian will be staying in Liverpool and not be called up to Spain, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, we haven't really spoken about him. I don't want to chuck him under the bus. Um, he makes mistakes. He's always made mistakes. He's he's going downhill. He's the one player who I said before the start of the season that I think we should possibly look at replacing him. There's only a few hours left of the transfer window as we're recording this, but I very much doubt that Klopp will. He will show more faith in Adrian and at the end of the day he made four saves yesterday um he saved a one-on-one I mean he let in seven goals and he was definitely at fault for one of them uh but uh, you know you can't do much about deflected goals I think he uh you know maybe a little bit he could have closed down the angles a bit more for Grealish's goal but you know generally it wasn't the worst goalkeeping performance I've ever seen and we all know what that one is um but uh I don't know um, in goal, I would just because we know Adrian has mistakes, I would just put in Kelleher. But then, if you see Kelleher in training, maybe you understand that he's got mistakes in him as well. It's a very tricky one, isn't it, uh, for the derby? Would you would you keep faith with Adrian, Ryan? I would. I keep faith with Adrian for now. I think Kelleher uh, also has a lot of mistakes in him. I think the last time I saw him was at the five five last season with Arsenal. Um, he seems to, yeah, he's very young for a goalkeeper and I don't think it's quite his time yet. 
Um, so yeah, Adrian all day for me. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, good answer. Marvelous stuff. Um, we're going to move on to some um, positive news because that does exist. Um, the fixture list now, after since we recorded the last episode of Cop On, our fixture list has grown pregnant with Champions League games, and they shall be um, birthed starting on the 21st of October after the Everton game away to Ajax Amsterdam. Wow, I wish I could go there, but uh, obviously we can't. Um, and then, so our fixtures now are Everton-Liverpool, Ajax-Liverpool, Liverpool-Sheffield United, Liverpool-Midtjylland, Liverpool-West Ham United, then at atalanta Liverpool, Man City, Liverpool, Liverpool, Leicester City, Liverpool, Atalanta, and then Brighton, Liverpool, and that takes us up to the end of November. And I'm just really looking forward to all of this. Forget yesterday. Yesterday, the mad things happened. This is Klopp's Liverpool. It's madness. We don't just lose games. We lose them 7-2. But all of these games are, I'm already feeling like, I don't know, like I, I, I can feel something bubbling in my... In my soul, something, something uh, frothing that's uh, gonna make I don't know. It's gonna, it's gonna. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Brian, are you excited too? <laughs> well, I'm getting excited just listening to you. Right now. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's the tea. It's the tea. I've got this new South American tea just because Messi Messi drinks it, and I found oh, it in the local. Oh, the one that you drink out of the kind of coconut tea. Yeah, drink. I don't have the coconut thing. No, the that's, Messi coconut. That's not tea. That's drugs, my friend. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know it's brilliant. I'm about to take on, you know, all of my neighbours with a football. Yeah, uh, I know but... that stuff. I want to get some of that stuff as well. Um, yeah, look, those those fixtures sound awesome. They really do, and they and I I think that the the fixtures that we need um, to to wash this horrendous stench out of our memories. Uh, I mean, like the 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 games that we're playing, they all lend themselves well to our style of football. Um, Everton like to play football now. Uh, Ajax are a football playing team. Did you say Sheffield United was in there as well? Did I? Did I? Yes, yes, indeed. Sheffield United are there. Yep, absolutely. They're there on the uh, on the twenty fourth of October after Ajax. So it's it's Everton, Ajax, and then Sheffield United at Anfield. Yeah, look, those they're they're good they're good fixtures for us right now. I think and. Um, I uh, I'm looking forward to it all. You know, I think I think time will show that 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 last night was a was a one-off, and uh, I I think you know if you read the news um, uh, papers today, you know people are making uh, references to various other amazing football teams uh, in the Premiership years anyway that have these one-off. Um, uh performances uh, i mean you know, i don't think it's indicative of any anything more underlying to worry about about the team so you know the i, I i'm looking forward to getting stuck on i know i was chuffed with the with the champions league draw i just thought that was brilliant we, we really ended up seeing what the kind of teams are in pot two and and pot three for that matter uh that could have been a lot worse um i think i think the the, the champions league uh draw ball gods have been quite kind to us there 
It does seem that way, doesn't it? I mean, you know, PSG, Manchester United and Leipzig springs to mind. But uh, I think Atalanta, Atalanta will be formidable opponents. And uh, looking at some results for from Ajax, uh, they've um, won pretty much every game. Um, they've played four in the area divisie. Uh, they've, they've won three, on the, but they actually lost on the weekend to Groningen, 1-0. Um, they beat Vitesse 2-1, they beat Valvike, who I don't know, 3-0, and they beat uh, the uh, Sparta Rotterdam on their first match away, 1-0. So Ajax have started the season three out of four, just like Liverpool. It's going to be a cracking match. And then Midtjylland, sorry for the pronunciation, I will ask a Danish person one day to pronounce it for me, but I believe it's phonetic, mid T-land. Um, they, they're in indifferent form, although they've got a very, they're a very interesting project. They've won four and drawn two of their last six matches. Um, their project is that they're owned by the same guy uh, who owns Brentford, according to Andy Heaton of the Anfield Rap, and I trust him um, with my life. Well, I don't know if I'll ever be in that situation, but I would trust him. Let's put it in the second conditional. I would trust him with my life. Atalanta, um, they have won their last five matches. They beat Cagliari 5-2 on the weekend. They beat Lazio 4-1. They scored four against Torino. They scored three against Ravenna. Uh, and, you know, just in friendlies, they scored five against Como. This is not going to be quite so easy, perhaps, Ryan. I don't know. What do you think about the, the Champions League uh, draw? I'm made up with the Champions League draw. I think it's going to be just exceptional football all the way through. I think even Midgeland, uh, apparently, according to Neil Atkinson, that's how that's pronounced. Midgeland. But even they play really attacking football. Uh, Atalanta, we, we all saw last season some of their exploits. I followed them relatively closely. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an expert on Italian football, but I've kept an eye on them because of how attractive they are and because they're upsetting the apple cart over there and, and disrupting you know, their established dominant sides, if you like, um, that, that you have in Italy season on season. And, and they do play some really good stuff. So I think when they come to Anfield and when we play them, it's going to be very reminiscent of the games that we have with RB Salzburg. In that they were just crazy games with mad goals in, if you remember, like Minamino and Erlen Haaland really gave us a shock, particularly in that first game. And that was was that the four three. Um but yes. I'm really I'm really excited to just watch all of this wonderful football that we get to be a part of and, and just to put the boot in that Everton don't because they're not a Champions League club because they're not good enough. <laughs> uh yeah, but that that brings me seamlessly on to the next, the next thing that I do want to talk about, which is the Premier League, because Everton, 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 I watched them and they're actually quite good. I've seen two or three matches. I, you know, I watch them, you know, sometimes and I watch uh, Manchester United sometimes and, you know, when they start winning, I switch off and I've had to start switching off quite a lot of Everton games, which is unusual because normally they're junk but it seems like Carlo Magnifico has uh, taken that ship and not only has he, you know, fixed the holes, she's seaworthy again. The grand, the grand lady, the grand vessel that is Everton the blue shite. Uh, Brian, are you worried? Sorry, Alan, you, you, you cut out there. Can, uh, I'm... Oh, I was just saying how Everton are usually crap 
but now they're actually quite good. What are you worried? <laughs> well, when you know, said Carlo took that shit and oh shit with a p with a p with a p yes yes sorry sorry I thought you said shit. <laughs> but it, well, I mean it was uh, would have been justified. Oh, shit, but shit. <laughs> no difference. Um, yeah, listen. Every year it comes around, and every year they say this is the year, and every year we all say it's going to happen sometime, right? You know, was it since 1989? Uh, is that the, is that the is that the date? 1995, yeah, since 1995, yes. <laughs> um, look, I mean, it'll just make our victory all the more sweeter and all the more comical. It is the funniest fixture of the year. And it's coming, and it's the right time. It's it's coming up to Christmas, you know. It, the, I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus when I watch that game. Because <laughs> no, but no, but in general, Brian. I mean, they they seem to be they seem to be pretty good. I mean, can you see them finishing in the Champions League places, or is that just nonsense, as Ryan suggests? Uh, no, no, no. They no. Joking aside, I mean, they no. They do look good. Um, and you cannot underestimate a manager like, like Carlo, right? You know, he, he's his pedigree speaks for itself. He's one of the like, world class managers around, and uh, he's turned them into quite the team. And um, you know, uh, James has been awesome since since he's joined them. He's 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 hit the ground running straight away. Um, and they've got some great players, you know all over the park so i just you know we i mean you can never i they've been very tepid over the past uh three or four years they haven't really offered up anything like every derby that i've watched in recent years it hasn't been it's been a non-competition for the most part um but uh this time i think we're gonna have a game on our hands and in a weird kind of way, I think it will suit us, right? Because I just can't see them sitting back and trying to, um, you know, hit us on the counter or just trying to keep the scoreline down like they've done in the past. I think they, I think they'll fancy this. I think their tails are up at the moment, and their fans will be absolutely screaming for you know blood they were like this is the this is our best chance ever you know especially coming off this this horrific result um so i think they're going to go at it and uh and if they do that that'll be that that'll be a fatal mistake for them so um but to answer your, your question about how where they're going to finish it would not surprise me if they end up in european places um top four i'm not so sure about top six i would say yeah solid solid fifth or sixth place finish for me they they look very very well put together but this season's crazy it started crazy it's only three or four games old it depends how many you've played i mean aston villa a second after three games everton a top after four games it's it started off nuts there are no fans which makes a big difference i think um you know goals flying in everywhere and it seems like sensible football might win the day personally i don't rate city i think leicester will 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 be leicester and 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 fade away um i don't rate united although they are going to get better i think as the season goes on um once they get rid of Solskjaer, he'll be gone by christmas um and but spurs are quite good um oh who's going to finish in the top four i do think liverpool will still win the league 
Um, I think Everton are going to finish in the top four and um, City maybe fourth or third. Chelsea, the other, I think that's going to be my top four. Uh, well, the other three, apart from Liverpool champions, um, you know, it's it, it's wild to, to to make predictions at this stage. You know, there's such a long way to go. But Ryan, if you had to choose in this topsy turvy, crazy world in which we live, where, where who would your top four be? So Liverpool, I do, I know City have got a litany of problems, but I think there's too much quality in that side and in, and in that checkbook to to stop City from, from being there or thereabouts so they're definitely there and then I think you've got a lovely, it, it's really fascinating this season like you said it's crazy that there are about six teams that are all going to have to vie for those last two places you've obviously got Chelsea and United who've, who've been poor at times this season but you'd expect would get better and be there or thereabouts from the end of it Leicester will probably Leicester, but just on the off chance they don't, and, and Jamie Vardy manages to bang them one last hurrah into the Champions League, there's a possibility they can do something. As you said, Tottenham do look a lot better. I think one team you haven't mentioned that I, I fancy as a dark horse to get Champions League football this season are Wolves. Um, I think they've got a really good squad that, that have gone through some stuff together, that have got a really good understanding and appreciation of each other. Obviously, like there's about 10 of them that are Portuguese. So there's that camaraderie that goes in there as well. And and I know I made a comment before about Everton not being good enough for Champions League football, but I do think there's a, a, a very strong possibility that they somehow manage to get themselves into fourth this season. I think the, the biggest question mark for me would be Jordan Pickford between the sticks because that guy is hilariously awful uh, in goal and thinks he's so good and he's actually just terrible. Um so it's beautiful to watch so isn't it it's amazing he's not been right since i think he did them um <laughs> but i think they've got so much positive positive things in their side that they could uh, particularly amidst all this chaos somehow end up in fourth position come the end of the season so who knows um i, I suspect liverpool city i'm gonna say tottenham because they oh i forgot about arsenal as well uh tottenham and I'm going to say Chelsea. I think Werner, Havertz, they start to click sometime this season and, and they get the other spot. Yeah, they've got Pulisic and uh, and Ziyech coming back. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're some team on paper. Problem is, of course, Frank Lampard, as we've said a couple of times on this podcast here. But um, thank you very much, gentlemen. I think, you know, it's been very therapeutic to talk things through. Um, my check will be in the post to both of you. Um, it's I feel a lot lighter having vented the frustration, and we really do I think have to look at look at the bright side, look at the funny side. You know, continue with our absolute faith in this team because that's you know supporting. We're allowed to criticise, I think, when it's due and it's definitely due and if it's possible for it to be constructive you know backed up with the data and you know different ways they can improve like you know just put Adrian in a in a in on passing drills for two two weeks you know see maybe if he gets a bit better um you know but at the same time we do have complete faith in this team don't we so and its staff so we'll be back in it you know 
in a couple of weeks playing footy and Coppon will be back before then. I want to thank you very, very, very much, Brian and Ryan, for your first time on Coppon. It's been a real treat. Thank you. Thanks, Robert.